Hello, it's Philip here from 633 Podcasts, welcoming you once again to a new podcast today that I'm calling Politics, Religion and Yeast. It probably sounds a bit dangerous uh, to include politics and religion in the same sentence, but I hope you'll enjoy it and I really hope it will help and encourage you. God bless you. So no doubt you remember um, miracles that Jesus did, like when he fed the 5,000 and uh, 5,000 people plus, probably twice as many people, and he fed them just with a few loaves and a few fish. And, and of course then he walked on the water to go and meet his disciples, we're told in the Bible. Uh, something Sometime later he, he was challenged by the religious leaders uh, over the way they interpreted the law and the way he seemed to be interpreting the law, which was very different and they weren't happy about it. Jesus then meets uh, a foreigner, uh, a non-Israelite, but a man that he said had great faith. And of course, Jesus heals a deaf, mute man. Uh, and, uh, and then after that, he feeds 4,000 people. And all of these stories, all of these accounts of what Jesus did, come within just a few verses, a couple of chapters of one another in the Gospels. So what is it? that Jesus has encountered uh, in, in, in all of these events. Well, it's the needs of people around him. People are coming to him and they were, they were hungry. They're hungry to, uh, to have not only their, their stomachs filled with food, but they were hungry for something in their spirit, in their minds, in their hearts. They were fed up of what it was that the rulers and the religious law had been throwing at them and had been putting them down and they heard something and saw something of love and of freedom in Jesus. They saw his power over nature displayed and they saw that faith could bring healing from him. And at the same time, Jesus had encountered doubt, unbelief and rejection. All of these things, all within a matter of verses, chapters of one another. And then comes this story where Jesus talks to his disciples. It's in Matthew uh, chapter 16 that I'm going to read from, verse 5. Just listen to this. Later, after they, that's Jesus and his disciples, crossed to the other side of a lake, the disciples discovered they'd forgotten to bring any bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. At this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, you have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? And then he reminds them about the 5,000 and the 4,000 that he'd fed and the amount of stuff that was left over uh, after both of those events. And then he says this, So again I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's important to realise that the teaching that Jesus gives to his disciples and to the a general public really, wasn't in a vacuum. It was all related to life as he found it going on around him. And that's important for us. It's important for our evangelism. It's important also for our discipleship of one another. Matthew's account that I just read to you there, Jesus talks about the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Mark's account, uh, which you find in chapter 8 of his Gospel, he refers to the, the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. And it's probable that Jesus referred to all three 
and Matthew and Mark just record that slightly differently. But what is it he's saying? Surely he's talking about two key things. The influence of religion and the influence of politics and, of course, casting that in the context of the all-pervading power of yeast, something that is so small, seems so insignificant, but can permeate a whole lump of dough. And when we talk of religion or politics, we're talking about that tendency that is, is in, inherent in both of those to infiltrate and influence society, to affect upbringing, to affect lives, to affect education and attitudes. And often, both religion and politics, of course, have a negative impact on people. And whether we call it mindset or whether we call it spirit, it doesn't make a great deal of difference. The issue is this, that they're part of a spiritual battle that affect how we think, how we speak, and how we respond to situations and people and events. Jesus is saying to his disciples, and he's saying to us right now, beware of responding to your situations, whatever they may be that is going on around you, beware of responding to them with a political or a religious mindset, a political or a religious spirit. See, what does that mean? It means, on the whole, whether it's political or religious, that we look, we'll look for someone to blame for the situation, or we'll fix it for ourselves. Or perhaps religious people might say, well, it, this is situation is, is either God's will, or, well, you can't trust God for this, you've just got to get on with it. And religion and politics will do one or both of those things. Someone's to blame, or we can fix this. Or alternatively, well, it's just God's will and there's nothing we can do about it. Or on the other hand, of course, well, it's, it's, not, it's not about God or God's will. You've just got to get on and put up with it and work through it. Watch out, says Jesus, for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. How does this all work? Well, quickly, I just want to outline sort of a couple of ways in which this works in everyday life, in our lives, in the world around us. See, the first thing I want to say is this. Do we live in a blame culture or a responsibility culture? We could look at all sorts of scenarios, political scenarios, religious scenarios, but there's one that just sticks in my mind that here in the UK was known as the Windrush uh, scenario, the Windrush situation. It was all about people that had been brought over in the 40s, 1948, uh, from the Caribbean to the UK uh, to, uh, to live, to work over here. And then suddenly in the 2000s, uh, there's an issue about whether they've actually all got the right documentation or whether we're only going to have to deport some of them. And the media coverage at that time was all about who's to blame. Is it this government? Is it the previous government? Is it this politician? Or, or that politician, this minister, that minister, who's to blame for getting us in this mess? That's the political spirit. That's the political mindset. That's the yeast of Herod at work. It will, we can show others up in a bad light here. And we see it. We see it in our local politics. We see it in our national and our international politics. And what we need, if we're going to beware, as Jesus says, of the uh, yeast of Herod, we need an alternative. 
We need a different way of thinking. We need a kingdom alternative. Instead of a blame culture, we need a responsibility culture. And no matter who is to blame, and, and so often I'm not interested personally in who's to blame for something. But here we are, we have this situation. Let's all take the responsibility that we can to sort out the problem, the mess, the situation. Jesus says, beware, be on your guard. Otherwise, you'll do church, you'll do my kingdom, you'll do the Christian life in the same way that political mindsets would do it, that the yeast of, the, of Herod will infect you so you think the same way as the rest of the world. There is a kingdom alternative. There's a second thing that I just want to bring to your attention. After the uh, blame culture versus responsibility culture, there's mistrust and there's trust. See, sometimes leaders, especially in our modern age, we, they lose the trust of those who follow them. Political leaders lose the trust of those who follow them, lose the trust of their, their voters, their constituency. And religious people, church leaders, often too, can lose the trust of those who follow them. And then that means that people struggle to trust them again. But isn't it true that for Christians, we are by definition people of faith, people of trust? The Pharisees were busy trying to paint Jesus uh, to people as a charlatan, as a deceiver. Listen to this from John 7. The people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. And finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. See, they love, religious people, political people, love to set up a for and against situation. Love to be able to paint somebody else in a bad light. Too often, how are we going to live our lives? Trusting or mistrusting one another? The world that we live in would have us live in mistrust. You can't trust anyone you know. How many times have we heard that a father perhaps said that to a child, to a son or a daughter? You, can't, you know, when you grow up, you remember, when you go out to university, when you go out to work, when you go to that situation, remember you can't trust anybody. It's tragic. That that's how we learn to live our lives, not trusting anyone. Now, a word of caution, I'm not talking about being foolish. Sometimes I've been asked, do you trust so-and-so? Or are they trying to pull the wool over your eyes? My general response has been this. I'll trust them until it's proven to me that I can't by their own actions or words. You see, why should I listen to somebody else that tells me I cannot trust another person when I haven't had any evidence from that other person that they can't be trusted? Do we live with a mistrust approach to life or with a trust, a faith approach to life? I think I know what it is that Jesus would want. The third thing, final thing really, that I want to just touch on is uh, perspectives. The human perspective, the rational perspective 
are set against a kingdom perspective. See, religion and politics, Pharisees and Herod, uh, the, the, the Pharisee mindset, the Pharisee spirit, the Herod spirit, these things tell us that we have to do it all ourselves. You keep the rules, God will be pleased you'll get to heaven. Well, no, no, you, you've got to make your own way in the world, says uh, the rational uh, mindset, the rational perspective. Make your own way. Be an independent person. You know, fight your way through. But the kingdom has a different perspective. See, I want to ask a question. Are we going to trust human ingenuity or are we going to keep faith with God? Put that into the context of provision. Are we going to provide for ourselves? And, and you know, you've just got to provide for yourself. You've just got to make your own way. Or am I actually going to commit the whole of my life to God? Say, God, you've promised to look after me. You will help me through this. We can do that with life. We can do that in a, in a, in a situation that arises which is challenging. Do we trust ourselves to get out of it? Do we look for someone to blame that we, we're in it, whether we blame ourselves or another person? Or are we going to keep faith with God? Say, God, I am where I am. Now I'm looking to you to help me get where you want me to be. What about marriage? What about bringing up children? Do we have to do it all by ourselves? Or are we able to trust God with it? As couples, can couples trust God together for their relationship? If there's only one trusting God for the relationship, then it could well be a real difficulty. But if there's two people united in we're trusting God, well, this is a hard situation we're facing. We're having difficulties, but we're trusting God to help us through. We're trusting God to help us to raise our kids well. We don't have all the answers. and We're not going to blame one another when something doesn't work out. We're not going to blame the school. We're not going to blame the friends. We're going to do the best we can to trust God with our children. Employment, the whole of life, death. We're going to trust ourselves. Are we going to look at it rationally and humanly? Or are we going to realise there are kingdom perspectives on all of these things? And let's keep faith with God. Now, it's not that we don't have a part to play in every situation in life. But I want to encourage you, with every situation you face, ask God what your part is and what his part is. When you've got an answer to that, you will know what you need to do. And you will know what you don't need to do because you can leave it with him. Let me close with this. I want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself to commit to seeking and keeping a kingdom perspective on every one that we meet and every situation we encounter. Seeking and keeping a kingdom perspective. When Jesus said, in one of my favourite verses, Matthew 6, 33, which is where these podcasts get their, type, their name from. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, exactly what he's saying is, seek a kingdom perspective on everything. As you seek it, then seek to keep it as the way that you act when you're dealing with other people, when you're in, dealing with a, a situation that is facing you. What's the kingdom perspective? What's my part in this, Lord? What's your part in this? And seek a renewed mind as the key life-transforming element of being a Christian. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thinking differently about life. 
thinking differently about the way that we live, thinking differently about the stuff of life, of, of relationships and children and education and work and employment and and living with near neighbours and, and being part of community and, and doing and being church, be renewed, think it differently. Think it in a transformative way with a kingdom perspective. Remember this as we come to pray. I don't have to think the same way as everyone else. I can think with the mind of Christ. It is available to you and to me. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your kingdom. Thank you that you call us, you invite us into a kingdom. A kingdom that is not of this realm, but a kingdom that is of heaven. A kingdom that comes from your realm. And you invite us to live in that now. Lord, help us in these key areas of life, of family, of relationships, of work and, and of church. Help us, Lord, to live with kingdom perspectives. Renew our minds. Help us to renew our own minds as we think on you and think differently about the situations that we face. Oh, Father God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may our minds be renewed and refreshed in his grace, his power, his love, that we might live with faith and with hope, with expectation that you will be good to us and through us in this world. And we do not have to get sidetracked and damaged by the yeast of Pharisees or of Herod, of politics, of religion, or any other rationalistic, humanistic, atheistic mindset that is out there. But there is a mindset that is kingdom. There is a way of thinking. There is a perspective on life that comes from your kingdom. Help us to find that, to seek it with all of our hearts, knowing that when we seek you with all of our hearts, we truly will find you and we bless you as you lead us in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. I've just enjoyed sharing this with you. I hope it's helped. I hope it's encouraged and I hope it's blessed you. Don't forget, there are all sorts of other podcasts available. Just visit the website www.633.co.uk. You'll find all the information there and God bless you as you walk with Jesus.